today with The Real Deal, the first episode of The Real Deal, where we come together and kind of unify and speak amongst each other to bring awareness to mental health. Um, today I have two friends really close to me that I have experience with on a professional level and on a personal level. Um, the first person I have is Jordy Martinez. Um, if you want to just give them a little history of your background. Hello, everybody. Uh, so I worked in the mental health field for about seven years now. Um, ever since I was 18 years old, I was pretty much uh, all I was around, um, picking up lots of hours and just being around uh, the mental health side of it and being blind to it and learning about it and now willing to share uh, some of the things that I've experienced. Now we have Rob Sweeney here. Hi, um, my name is Rob. I have a master's in psychology, but I started working in the mental health field again as a teenager, uh, working with kids who were in foster care, where uh, I worked with kids who needed uh, therapy through that program at the time. So I've been doing this for about 30 years. So I, again, like I said, I have personal experience with these gentlemen. Um, just real quick, Jordy is actually the first person that kind of trained me um, I worked with juveniles before I actually got to work with adults and blindsided again to the whole process of it and how it goes. But Judy was the first person that actually trained me. And honestly, too, he, he might not know this. He was the first person there when I actually had to do my first interaction um, with a patient um, and, and kind of blew my mind. <laughs> um, but he brought knowledge to me. Um, excellent person patience and, and the, the humbleness and the ambition and the motivation of love he has when it comes to dealing with people and, and just trying to show them that there is a better way to self-care. Rob, on the other hand, we have done some amazing things together. I have come to this man so many times with so many ideas, and no matter what I come to him with, he's always been one to say, you know what, all right, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. Um, so he has helped me help other patients be able to get released or get the extra attention that they need, whatever the case may be. He's always been there to support me. So really today, this is the first episode, I guess you could say, in an introduction into what I'm really trying to do. Um, if you can briefly for me, um, Rob, just express and explain mental health to the public. Mental health, there are two ways to look at it. Mental health is the just the general idea that everybody has this sort of balance, that when things get really, really ugly, you sort of bounce back like a rubber band and you're back on balance, and when people are not feeling that that kind of balance that I'm doing okay, it sort of kind of tilts into a mental illness. There's another way to look at it that, you know, everybody has a breaking point. You do the best you can until something ugly happens. It's just that straw that breaks the camel's back, and then I just can't get any better. And I think the truth is that it's sort of a combination between the two. There's a, a way of looking at life that allows you to get back to that balance point, and then there's that sense that there's sometimes things are just too much to do by myself. I need extra help. And so you, mental health is that sort of managing both sides of that way of looking at the world. There's too much and I need help. Or, you know, I can always go back to myself after I've dealt with this thing. It's, it's dealing with those two aspects that's the key of most mental health and most mental health treatment. And, also, and on the, the other aspect... Um is mental health so scary to people? Why when people that aren't used to getting the help and they're, they're just presented with that you might have a mental health issue, why is that so scary and cringe? Why do they run from that with your experience? Um, I personally believe that it's, you know, growing up, um, being told that, uh, you 
cut it out. Uh, you shouldn't be feeling this way. Um, you know, why can't you do this the right way? Why can't you explain this? You know, you've had that growing up for the most part for your whole life. And then now you're, you know, seeing how society works and then you're just led to believe, okay, you know, this is not going to work or I shouldn't even approach this. Like people are not going to understand things of that nature. I feel like it, it comes from all your experiences growing up. Uh, it plays a huge part. And people are so embarrassed. Yes. Like as soon as you hear mental health, the next thing you hear is you're crazy. And you run from that. You're embarrassed about that. It's a thing, you know. And, and whoever else is around you that doesn't support you wanting to get better, it's a thing for them, too. I mean, growing up, again, in ethnic families, you're told, go to church. You're told, you'll be okay. You're told, go to sleep. <laughs> Take a nap. And then when you become an adult, you start to tell yourself, I need to go get high. Let me not think about this or deal with this, but in actuality, in my opinion, mental health is in all of us. Everybody has things that they deal with on a daily basis that sometimes just captivates their whole process and they can't function. And is that a bad thing? Is that something that we need to hold back from? Is that something that, you know, we got to keep a secret? How do we get to the point where we're okay with admitting, because that's the first step, to ourselves that mm, I might need that extra help? Everybody has to, everybody has this idea in the back of their heads that they're a little bit crazy. I've never met anybody who said, I'm the most sane person ever, and that's that I'm sane. Yeah, that's 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 everybody, everybody admits. And, and mental illness is the spectrum from, I have to step on the cracks on the sidewalk because I just feel safer when I do that because that game I played when I was four years old and I stepped on the cracks and my mom was okay. There's that superstition. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's not crazy. That's just a little bit... Mm -hmm. <laughs> the other end of it, you can take that superstition and take that to the point where you can't eat dinner unless you counted all the peas, put the fork in the right spot, and twisted the knife seven times. That's OCD. Well, OCD and superstition, while they're the same thing, they're a different part of the spectrum, and it's a different way of dealing with the same problem. I'm anxious. Something's not right. And I'm trying my best, but that's the best I can think of. Well, that's where you start. It's, you know, everybody has this, there's something wrong they have to deal with. Everybody has some tools that worked. You know, sometimes when you count all the P's, you feel better. Okay. Right? And everybody has this need to have connection with other people. So it's all in that how you manage that, how you balance it, whether it becomes something you need to worry about or something, you're just doing okay. And the truth is, what you were saying earlier about different groups when you grow up, how you learn to manage um, who your family was, who your community was, what school taught you, what television teaches you. So much of what we know we get from the movies. I mean, that's insane. But, you know, where else are you going to learn some of this stuff, right? Absolutely. And the, if the lessons are unhealthy, you're going to be unhealthy. It's what choice do you have? So that's part of why people don't want to deal with it in a way that's better. Because it's uncomfortable and it's it's not what I learned and it's not where I come from. There's all that in it. And then I think that when it comes to that, do you think that you can say, well, okay, a lot of things that I'm dealing with or going through can be labeled as like a learned behavior because I've learned not to deal. I've learned it's okay. I've learned not that serious. So do you think that at some point it gets to the point where you can start being able to Retrain them thoughts. Retrain them thoughts to get to the point where you're saying, okay, I'm not all right, and I do need help. And 
need somebody to talk to. Because not everybody has that. Not everybody has that significant person that they can talk to. And I think we'll all agree that the first step is trust. Why would I give you my deepest, darkest fear <laughs> that I really don't want nobody to know about if I can't even trust you? I don't even trust you. What's familiar about you that's going to make me comfortable with being able to give you my conversation? Yeah. And then also, you know, the fact that it's even harder to trust, um, you know, people that you don't know and than it is like somebody that you grew up with who didn't understand, right? So they, they don't understand. So then it makes it be like, okay, well, this person close to and I trusted didn't understand what I was going through or didn't know how to help me get through that so why should I you know even approach that route with you so um, it could go a lot of ways but uh, I think that just having the overall awareness is huge um, because a lot of people don't know um, I was blind to it um, I was definitely know, blind coming to in it <laughs> before working in anything mental health, I was working with cars and, you know, I came to the mental health field because my sister was like, I think you'd be good for this. You talk to people and things like that and you're good with people. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, great. Let me try it out. I was afraid. Mm -hmm. I was like, mm -hmm. uh, it is scary. it's like you say, all I know about this is what I've seen in TV shows, what I've seen in movies. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what I'm going to run into. And then when I go and run into this, I kind of now start to see, wow, these are people. I mean, we're all people. Here. Um, and what did you go through that is making you feel like this now? Mm -hmm. And and then I just started to listen and I just started to talk and people are like, man, you're you're really just taking the time to listen to what I'm saying and what I'm feeling about. That was and one of the biggest things. That's huge. <clears throat> that was one of the biggest things I learned. I'm just working in the field. A lot of times they just wanted somebody to listen to. Sometimes they didn't want that answer. They wasn't looking for you oh, to yeah. give me an answer to what I'm going through. I just need you to listen and really don't even say nothing. Just listen to what I'm saying, but don't judge me. I know when I first started, it was patience. And then when I was familiar with the whole how everything is and realizing that these are actual people, was I'm not going to continue to look at you as a patient because you're not. You're a person, right? I know for me, <clears throat> it brought a lot of awareness personally. And I was able to look at myself personally and be familiarized with I've been doing this for so long and never knew that this was a problem. Yeah. This is a real <laughs> problem. You know what I mean? This is a real problem. And if I don't fix this problem, I might be where I'm working at. Um, it, yeah, seriously. It took, and it gave me patience. It gave me patience and gave me understanding on how detrimental self-care is. You know, we were, we're using the word mental health because, you know, it is mental health. But in all in all, it's self-care. You have to take care of yourself. You have to make sure that at the end of the day, before you step out and do anything other than taking care of yourself, you're taking care of yourself. Um, I know when we used to work, um, when I first started, it was, all right, I'm going to go in here because I'm a tough girl. I'm going here and I'm going to have to throw somebody down on the ground. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have to restrain somebody and, you know, I'll be okay. And it was so not that. I never knew that people actually really dealt with the smallest things that we look at as not that serious, as so major, and it cultivated and captivated and just took a hold of their life and just went for the worst, the smallest things. And that makes you appreciate life a lot better. Um, another thing that I wanted to touch on, because we did, we did talk about ethnic families, but where can you go, really, to get that information? You know what I mean? Because, again, like we were talking about earlier, I was, I'm certified as a community health worker, and one of those days we were in there and there was a lady that was talking about, you know, medical assistance and she works for them and she was naming all these wonderful things 
that they offered. And the medical place she worked at, I actually had that. And I'm like, wow, like, I never even knew that. Like, that's not in the handbook. They don't tell you that. And she said, oh, no, they're not going to tell you that. You have to ask those questions. Right. Right. And that's one of the keys to learning better self-care. That is actually kind of fun when you spend time with clients, with clients, with patients. Is you learn what questions to ask. And you learn who to ask. And that's where you see people, the difference between those who are really successful at using the system and those who are just not. Is that, that ability to ask questions and to know what questions and know who to ask. For what? You know, it doesn't occur to people that medical assistance will give you a caseworker. Most of us don't have caseworkers, right? The idea that I have a person who is, in essence, my secretary, mm-hmm. who will remind mm-hmm. me of appointments, who will call my doctors, who will tell me when I'm doing things that are just a little bit skewed and can you help me out. Most of us don't have one of those. Most of us have a grandmother or a mom mm-hmm. who does that, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> but medical assistance in Pennsylvania will give you a caseworker if you need it to help you with that stuff. If you're alone, they don't want you to be alone. That's unhealthy. So they'll cover that. But if you don't ask for it, that person's not knocking on your door. Because medical assistants, their job is to pay bills, not take care of us. So they're going to avoid that as much as they can, unless you ask. And then, hey, there you go. We'll help you. So what do you do? What do you suggest you do when you do take that first step and you ask medical assistance? And you're not asking the right question. You're asking a question, but you're not asking the right question, and you get sent somewhere else. What do you do when you have several? Because <laughs> you know what happens. You know what happens. Well, you didn't say that one word. If you would have said that one word, then I might have been able to, you know, help you. So what do you do when you constantly are getting at, nope, I can't help you. Nope, I can't because, again, that causes another mental issue because now you're feeling alone and, damn, it's not meant for me. I'm not supposed to get help, but I'm supposed to be like this forever. What do you do to get that fight still in you to be able to go to another door that might be able to on your face? Two things. One, you start with in your head, what's my end result? Where do I want to be? Right? If I don't want to live in Pennsylvania, why am I going to ask medical assistance to give me a caseworker in Pennsylvania? That's not, that's not helpful because they're not going to help me find a place in Colorado to live. That's not what they do. So where do I want to live? What do I want to be doing? Who do I want to be? Start with that and then look at where you are, where you want to be, and then ask people who are supposed to be helpers, how can you help me get to there? What can you offer that I can take advantage of? And how can I help someone else come with me? Like someone else wants to live in Colorado. How can I help them get there? Mm -hmm. The more you help another person, the better you feel yourself. The more work you do with people who are helpers, the more they're willing to help. So just keep asking the questions and keep doing the stuff, but keep that end result in mind. And don't like a plan. Don't make a plan that's like set in stone. Like I'm going to go to Colorado after I get a job, a Mustang, and a wife. Yes. No, no, plan, no plan ever survives its first meeting with the enemy. And the truth is, sometimes life is the enemy. Sometimes life doesn't want you to go to Colorado. Sometimes life doesn't want you to have enough money. Sometimes life wants you to feel kind of beat down, and life sucks. Okay, that's not what I want. That's not where I want to be. I want to be happy. I want to be successful. I want to do well. Come along. And that makes the difference. It's no longer a rigid plan. It's a flexible plan, but it's working. And people will help if I ask. And then that brings me to the subject that we used to speak about so many times. Um, And I didn't really even understand it really until it 
became a thing for me. You gotta do the work. You gotta do the work. Yeah. You have to do the work. A lot of times, and and this was over (laughs) and over and over again. You know, we be in there, and and the first thing they'll say is, "Well, my caseworker did it, and the social worker did it, and I'm flipping out and showing my ass and acting like I ain't got no sense because everybody else didn't for me." But you still have to for you. That medication you're taking is necessary, but it's not going to cure and fix. That social worker that you have might be necessary, but she can't cure and fix because at the end of the day, you're you. And what works for you, works for you. So you have to get to the point where you start figuring out, how can I create my own truth? How can I create what works for me and is going to benefit me? I know there was times when we would be in groups and I'd be like, damn, you're like, this person is not feeling what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. So they're just there because they got to be there. How do you individually just get to the point where you're like, okay, I need to sit down, make a plan, and figure out what works for me when you have no sense of direction? Yeah, it's definitely tough um, to, to find out where am I going to go, um, how should I head. I feel like uh, we don't have enough of that. And, and that's, um, to me, like the biggest problem is that we don't have enough people saying like, hey, you know, did you know that, that you can do this and you can mm-hmm. have that? So we need more people to... Uh, to just spread the word um, and just talk about how we can succeed. How you don't have to, you know, live life like this if you just, you know, are willing to take these steps. And if we could have more guidance, I mean, I feel like that's going to go a long way. So I'd, I'd hope that the stuff that we talk about here is going to be able to, you know, show people that there, there are ways to figure life out. Um, you just have to, like you said, be willing to put in that work. Do you um, think so that we gotta do it. As a society and providing um, things like mental hospitals and caseworkers, do you think that we kind of stagnated the process of people wanting even wanting to do their own work? In in many ways, yes. You know, I, I see pros so many pros and cons to that, right? Because yeah. there are people that um, you know mental health hospital, an example, there are people that need to get away, mm-hmm. need to be away from that situation, even though they feel like, I, I can't I can't be here right now, I need to be back home, but you can't be back home right now, because all that stuff that's in your plate and on your mind, how are you going to deal with it when you're living life, um, you know, feeling like you have to do stuff for other people, and you got to do this, and yeah, so I got to work, and... We, we never have the we never take the break to just say okay well today I'm not going to be you know around anyone I'm going to spend this day to myself yeah. um, I'm going to relax I'm going to think about you know how how the week is going to go what should I pl- prepare for the week we don't have that um, we you know we, we weren't born into a, a world where we're just going to have this unlimited amount of- we have to be ready for the world and. It's tough when when you just be like, okay, well, I don't have to worry about it. And it's crazy because at the end of the day, it shouldn't be like that. We should should have enough knowledge to say, okay, today I need to sit my ass down. I need to sit my ass down and not be the superhero and the super mom and the word that runs out every single time there's a problem to try to fix it. I know my biggest issue has always been wanting to be a problem solver. If I couldn't solve your problem... That took so much away from me. It killed my soul. And while I did that, my my older sister actually said something to me that was crazy. Where she was like, you know, while you're sitting here worried about everybody else, everybody else is living their life. What you gonna do? Yeah. And it took me a long time, even after that, 
to grasp that. But then it got to the point where it was like, damn, like it's it's okay for me to sit here and say I'm not going to answer my phone. I ain't, I ain't got the answer for you today. <laughs> I ain't got I ain't got it. I'm still trying to figure out the answer for myself. So how do you think that that that's something that is is something that we can actually even do? Like what steps can we take to where we say, you know what? Let me sit my ass down. There's a couple of things. But the, the first one is to say, don't worry about the shoulds. I should be better at taking time <laughs> off. And being, I should recognize, you know what? Like, and that's hard to do. Lighten up. Just do what you're going to do. It's okay to just do. It's it's one of those. And part of mental illness is that inability to see that. So be with people and listen. That's you know, if, if they're telling you you talk too fast, you say the same thing twelve times. Maybe you should slow down and listen to yourself. Talk for a minute. And yeah, maybe you're anxious. Maybe there's something wrong. Right? It's maybe there's something that you could do would be that would feel better. The problem with mental illness is that it's it can like I said before, there's that spectrum. It can go from the I'm just a little anxious, and so I can't talk to my friends well today, and I need a day off. To I literally see spiders on the wall that are not there, and I feel things under my skin that I have to dig out with a knife. Mm-hmm. Right. Between those two, there's this whole spectrum that we all have moments where we can get a little bad, a little good, a little bad, a little good. And when it gets so extreme, we need hospitals for people at that level. One of the problems we've had with our society recently is those people who are at that extreme, we shut down the state hospitals that used to take care of them. And now every county has to compete for a limited number of beds for people who are so extremely ill, they cannot being on the streets without someone beside them 24-7. And so where are they going? They're going to jails because who else can watch you 24-7? And what do you do when you break windows and you cut yourself with glass? You go to jail because that's illegal. So we've got this system that went from trying to take care of I'm anxious and life kind of sucks by putting them into a mental hospital for a month at a time and they stayed there with the ones who were super sick be there for the rest of their lives. We went from that to nobody gets hospital care unless they have insurance or somebody's going to lock you away where you're you're just not being helped. You're just away. There's got to be a better way to manage this, yes. to get back to the institutional yes. stuff. And it starts with communities and individuals and families. It starts with, I'm watching you, you're watching me, we're okay together. If you need help, I'll help. If you don't, I'm going to lay back. Starts with that that level of awareness. This is where we begin, and then, just like all those swings in society for building hospitals, tearing them down, that started at the grassroots. That started with people on the street saying, "We're doing it wrong. We want to do different." And that's one of the reasons why I thought this was such a great thing for you to do because that's what this, I hope, leads to, is people recognizing there's a better way to do this, and we're part of the solution. And it's okay. And it's okay. It's okay. You know, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of times when I would speak to people, I would tell them, like, I know for you, it is, like, hardcore out of this world. But guess what? It's okay. Because you can find a way out of it. And it's not a way that somebody else might approve of, but it's a way that's comfortable for you. You know, at the end of the day, it's none of our jobs to cure other people. But it is our job to open that door so that they can walk in and try to figure out how to do the shit on their own. I love the fact that you um, talk about the prison system because I'm going to bring up um, a statistic that I had read where it says that <clears throat> approximately 20% of inmates in jail and 50% of state prison have serious mental health issues. 
So, and that's based on the total number of inmates, right? So, 356,000 have these illnesses. Right. They have these illnesses. So then I ask myself, okay, so does that mean that maybe if these people that have these mental illnesses, maybe if they had the awareness that they needed, does that mean that most of them, some of them, one or two of them, wouldn't have had to be incarcerated, right? Or does that mean that because now we have that information, and I say we as, as a whole, we have that information as this is an inmate, does that mean that we're even more responsible because we didn't provide them with what they needed while they was incarcerated? Did we just toss them their meds, you know, and send them back out into the public where maybe they weren't on meds? And now they're so immune to that, now they're out back in society and we created another problem. What, what, what obligation do we owe inmates when it comes to mental health? That's a tough question because incarceration is not supposed to be designed to take care of people. It's a punishment, right? It's and it's not, and that was that's a whole different historical argument. Do we take criminals and rehabilitate them? Is criminality a mental illness that I can train you out of, right? Or if you break the rules, you pay the price. You did your time. You walk away. Now I stop worrying about it. I mean, do, is it a punishment? That's one of those. We go back and forth. So now, when you talk about half of the people in state prison have mental health issues, is that because they were mentally ill going in? Mm -hmm. Or did I incarcerate them, which drives you crazy? Or is there some sort of combination of those experiences that makes it worse? And so what's my responsibility? I honestly don't know. You know, From my perspective, incarceration is supposed to be a punishment. Mm -hmm. Jail is jail. You're not supposed to like it. It's not that for that. So the idea that... I understand why people feel uncomfortable with, if you go to jail, you will get good psychiatric care, good therapy, good counseling, good clothing, good food. And when you get out, you got to provide all that for yourself. Mm -hmm. So maybe you should just rob a bank and go back. I understand why people feel that way. So I get that kind of, this is, on the other hand... I'm not okay with the death penalty for stealing a loaf of bread, mm -hmm. which is sort of the other extreme, mm -hmm. right? So I'm, I honestly don't know where to go with that. And it's one of those, I've actually interviewed with the state to do those psychiatric assessments in the prisons. And I, they don't know where they're supposed to go with that. They want to provide minimum level care so there's no problems. Mm -hmm. But they don't want to look like they're being too soft. So, you know... They do an assessment, they do minimum care, they give, give the guys minimum meds so that nobody complains, mm -hmm. and then they kind of turn their backs so that nobody yells at them for doing too much. You said something um, that kind of um, yeah. tweaked me. Um, jail is considered punishment, right? Yeah. But when you punish somebody, you punish them with a lesson. So if I'm just bringing you into jail, and I'm telling you, you were wrong for doing this, so now you got to do time, and then you know what, when you're done with your time, I'm going to send you back out. What is the lesson? How am I guaranteeing you won't be right back in there? Or is that the objective? Is that the objective? And that's a little bit deep, too. I know that's a little bit the deep, lesson too. Is don't, the lesson is don't get caught. Yeah, the lesson is don't get caught. <laughs> this, is, this is America. We're all criminals in America. That's, the lesson is don't get caught. So. And then it's crazy to me because, you know, we got the repeated offenders, right? We got a repeated offender. So a jail, state prison, is punishment. You did something wrong, you come in here, you do your time. Yes. 
But I didn't provide nothing for you for you to learn why you shouldn't do that. And most of the motherfuckers know they shouldn't do it, but reiterate why you shouldn't do that. What type of effect did it have on people, not just you and other people? And, and how did it affect your whole being when you leave here? So what am I really giving you so you understand that this is a punishment? Because some people don't mind being in jail. That's right. three. That's three. <laughs> that's three meals. That's three meals and somewhere to sleep, and you don't have to pay not one single bill. Now you got to go through some changes in there. You know, I've been in jail five times, so I know I don't know about state prison, but I know as far as in jail, it really isn't too much of a punishment. It isn't something where it says, "Damn, I don't want to be back here no more." Really, it really isn't. I can stay in a room. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can I can mentally equip my brain to say, "I got to stay in this room for this amount of time." Well, and one of the problems with the way we've set it up now is that it's all based on money. You don't want to be in jail, you can pay the bail. Mm. Well, most often, people are in jail because they got caught doing something that was supposed to make them money. So, you know, it becomes a thing about, are you rich enough to avoid it? Yeah. Right? Did I pay for the good lawyer? Did I pay for bail? Did I pay the fine? Now, this crap about putting people in jail because they didn't pay their alimony. Mm-hmm. I understand that, that, that divorced women with children need to get their child welfare mm-hmm. payments mm-hmm. and their alimony from their husbands. Those bastards should pay their bills. On the other hand, you put him in jail for that, he's not paying her bills. Not at all. And I'm feeding them with my tax money. And not only I, that, don't, I don't think that's a good thing. Every day they're in jail, that takes some money right. off of them. Offer their bill. You understand what I'm saying? So why not do something where, you know what, I'm going to take something from you. Because the freedom really ain't going to be that long. But I'm going to take something from you that's going to kill your soul. And you could have kept it if only you paid your alimony. <laughs> sure. I don't want to jump off topic, but I want to I wanna hear your opinion, Jory, when it comes to uh, that. Well, I just think like the, the punishment aspect is needs to, just needs to get better. Um, actually, like, what are we punishing you for? Okay, if you broke this law, do you understand why you can't do this? Do you understand now how to move on from this? And then uh, once you're leaving, are you going to be able to succeed? Um, let's look at this plan now. And if you're one to come back, um, then let's talk about what didn't work for you out there. And not what just is, a home plan. Yeah. We need a different plan, not just a home plan. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, what is not working? Uh, is this community that you're in, is this not helping you move forward? Um, let's figure something out for this gentleman or this girl so that she can, you know, be able to come back out there. And then also just me personally, one of the big issues that I have is that, you know, our punishments would be a punishment, uh, kind of like a scar that, that goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can still kind of see it mm-hmm. and look back at that scar and say, I remember that. Um, yes, and not a scar yes, yes, yes. that you look at every day and you're like, oh my gosh, like I did this, like this, you know, I'm, this, everybody's going to see this. Um, everybody's going to, you know, judge me about this. Uh, this is, this is my way of life because of what I did. I have to go around and, and show everybody. Like, this I'm, I'm not it's never, I'm ugly now. <laughs> yeah. I'm ugly and, now. And just like, to me, that, that that's a big uh, problem in this world. And I, I just hate the way that it works because mm-hmm. I feel like everybody, you know, should we all deserve second chances, or we have to learn the first time, mm-hmm. or the you know whatever time it is, we have to learn something from it, so then we can move on and also be given an opportunity to succeed. Um, because I personally feel like the way that it's set up, um, you know, you get out, 
But then once you get out and you're trying to become something of yourself, it, it, it's two times harder for you because of that mistake that you made. It's so much um, easier just to go right back. Yeah. Because you're around exactly. people that are just like you. But yeah. now I'm out here and I did some shit I wasn't supposed to do. I know I was dead ass wrong for doing it, right? I was dead ass wrong for doing it, but you're not allowing me to right my wrongs. How am I supposed to right my wrongs when I have nothing? My plate is empty. You're not giving me anything. Sure. And granted, I understand that your actions are a reflection of what you get. But in the same aspect, you cannot say to me in one sense, okay, I'm going to let you back out there. Don't get in no more trouble. How can I not? But don't have any resources. Don't have any help. Nothing. And don't talk to anybody else because, you know, you're kind of tainted. And we're going to go... Wow. Keep in mind what we were saying earlier. This relates to mental illness because a lot of people who are mentally ill do things that break the law and end up in jail and they've not gotten any help for their mental illness. If I literally see through that window a person I need to protect you from, so I go busting through that door and beat up on that car because that's where that guy is and there was no one there, I'm going to go to jail for beating up on the house <laughs> and the car, but I still see people. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, How do I get the help that I need in a place like that that's not designed to help people? That's not what it's for, yeah. right? So rehabilitation is something we need to talk about, but also mental health treatment, both on the inside and the outside, in a way that makes sense, is where we need to go as a society. And it's something that we're just not designed for. America is not designed to help people who are actively doing things the rest of us don't like in a way that they can be successful with us. We're designed that if we don't like you, you get to go out west. Mm-hmm. You know, if I didn't like my home, I could go to Oregon and build a cabin out of trees and raise my children there. Well, now there's no more frontiers. There's, you know, there's 300 million Americans now. It's not, it's not the same. The, what we've been raised to think about America isn't true anymore. So we have to think again about society. We have to think again about taking care of each other. It's a, it's a time now to make changes that are important. And this is a good place to start. Yeah, and, and, and I love that you keep setting me up. Keep setting me up for my next. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Um, you said the I'm time is now. That's yeah, you always do. Right. You said the time is now. Yeah. And, and, and it, it is really literally now, considering what we're going through as a world. We're, we're going through a pandemic. Yeah. And at the end of the day, how how is the pandemic affecting the people that do have these mental issues and do want help but can't go out and get that help. How do you feel that is affecting them? That's sitting in the house and they talk to themselves all the time, but they can't go nowhere. They can't go nowhere. So they're in the house just talking to all the different people that they know <laughs> that ain't there. How is that hurting the society right now when it comes to mental mental health? Oh, I think it's, personally, I think it's hurting a lot um, because you're, you know, the things that you were used to being able to do, you cannot do anymore. Um, and you, you know, sometimes are not, you know, you don't have the knowledge to, to know like, okay, well, it, what is available to me now? Um, can I, you know, can I still feel comfortable going out there? Do I know what's going on outside right now? Do I fully understand that? Um, fully and, understand is good. Right. And then like also just knowing, knowing what's available to us because for instance, you know, not dealing with mental health, but like, I didn't know that. You know, the whole time there was many things that were opened back up. I didn't know about it yeah, until either. I saw somebody go, and I'm like, "Oh, wait a minute! You were seeing it on social media." Yeah, like, wait a minute! The movies are open again. I didn't, I didn't even know 
that. I've been home the whole time and I've been, you know, my mind has now been adjusted to, you know, being home a lot more than I used to before. You know, it's a conversation that I have with my girlfriend where she's like, you used to be, before the pandemic, you used to be like, hey, I'm going to his house. Hey, I'm going to going to auntie's house real quick. I'll be right back. She's like, you don't leave the house anymore. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, I'm so used to being indoors, stuck indoors that I, I don't even go out to find out what's going on out there. And I, I don't even know what's available to me now because I don't even want to go out there and try because I'm kind of afraid and I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm like, uh, I'm still on edge about coming out to certain places. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? So when it comes to the mental health side of it, you know, not understanding what, you know, what exactly it is and being afraid of the coronavirus because we don't know. You know, should I be out there right now? Should I go to this grocery store and get this? And not even that. You Just know? the information that you are giving. Yeah. There's yeah. so many different hypes about the pandemic right now that you don't even know which one to even feed into. Right. And like the beginning of, uh, you know, when we were first getting the tests done, um, I was like, uh, yeah, I don't want to be near people, but I also don't want to get tested. I heard that, it, you know, they put that swab all the way down your nose. And, and then I go now, and, you know, it got a little bit better. Uh, the way that they do the test. But then I go and I'm like, oh, this was it? Like, okay, well, I should do this once a week to make sure that yeah. I'm good. Like, if I would have known that this this is the way that they do the test, and if I would have known that it was offered here, um, I would have done it plenty of times to just make sure and, and, and then know for myself, okay, I'm good. Um, you know, I what I've been doing is okay. I, I think I'm a little bit more comfortable coming out and seeing what's going on outside. Um, whereas, I don't know that, Rite Aid offers this test for free, and I don't even know, you know, if I should, if I'm okay to take this test. And people then don't want to go out and find out. Yeah. Uh, so, I think that's the thing. The, the pandemic illustrates how when you get a real crisis in culture, it brings out the best and the worst in all of us. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. You guys have heard of the White Karens. Yes, Lord Jesus. Right? <laughs> so these people were absolutely insistent that the whole thing is a hoax, that nobody should be wearing masks, and you can't tell them that. You know, and they're creating problems for other people by going out and insisting that, well, these are people who had trouble with people before the pandemic. And the pandemic just gave them an excuse that now it seems more reasonable to act in a way that any other time would be inappropriate too. It's not that it's more inappropriate now. It was always inappropriate to go to Walmart and yell at everybody that you have to let me buy this skirt because I like it. That's just, that was never okay. But this pandemic brings out the worst in all of us, and it brings out the best in some of us. But it's one of those things that that's what's true about crises. Mm-hmm. And so the nation's going through this crisis, and the way this nation is handling this crisis right now illustrates what's good and what's bad about us. We are a democracy, so everybody gets a chance to say stuff. Yeah. 90% of us are saying stupid things. Stupid, stupid, <laughs> stupid things. <laughs> It's a democracy. Most of us are kind of dumb. Yeah. Ah, okay. So that's how they... Yeah, yeah so we get that's that, That's bullshit, right? though. You, you definitely 100% Right. Like that. On the other hand, we all try. Everybody worries about their relatives in the nursing homes and their grandparents. So they're getting tested and they're being careful about taking care of their elders, right? People are more cautious about the way they drive and who they meet when they get to the store. Because if I have an accident and nobody's wearing masks, now I've spread coronavirus and now people will die. It's just weird thinking, right? And so you get that opportunity to see what's good and bad about us in in something like this. And something like this happens every generation. One of the things we're missing now is we have seen 
almost literally the same pandemic in a prior generation. Yeah. And we're not spending a lot of time looking at what they learned. We're acting as if this is a brand new thing that came out of nowhere. Europe went through the Black Plague how many hundred times? So when COVID-19 hit Europe, they shut the place down. They didn't let anybody move. Everybody got tested. Now Germany had no new COVID-19 cases for three days straight within months. Right? We've had 200,000 deaths. And Germany's looking at us like we're insane. Mm -hmm. Because what we did in 1918 was we blamed it on Spain and made everybody wear a mask. Eventually went away. But we didn't learn from it. And that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, that's bonkers. That's right. It's part of what we're missing. And that's part of when you were talking earlier about culture. Do I take in the worst of my culture? Is that part of what makes my mental illness worse? What do we learn from culture? What do we learn from history as individuals and as a group? That has a lot to do with how mental illness gets treated and what's right and what's wrong with Absolutely. what we do. So, yeah. And it's, it's familiar. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's so familiar. What my culture has been doing for so long is so familiar because I don't even have the information I need to even be aware that grandma was a little bit crazy or had some stuff going on. It's not going to make me be aware that I need to take care of myself because I don't even recognize it. I don't even know about it. I don't even, it's not even a thing. I know the first time I ever experienced on my own um, depression, it was it was bonkers. I never, to me, honestly, and I'm going to be honest, it was a white thing. It's shit white people go through. I ain't depressed about what? I don't even have enough time to even focus on me to even acknowledge that I'm depressed. Yeah. But, you know, life happens in a funny way. And sometimes, you know, if you don't sit down, life's going to sit you down. Sure. And it's going to say, okay, look, this is what's going on. What you going to do about it? And that was another process of me realizing, like, damn, like, this is, like, a for real thing. And it has no race. And it has no color. And it has no gender. It's here for everybody. And when it comes, what are you going to do with it? And sometimes, a lot of times, you know, you can be going through something that can be taken care of just being aware of it. But if you're not, it creates such a big problem that now it's an issue and that you have to live with that ongoing, whereas though if you did have that information and you were aware and you were able to have that outlet to try to just take care of whatever you were feeling at that moment, you might be a little bit better than what you are today. Yeah, I agree. I think that if, um, you know, just kind of like they say, nipping nipping, nipping in the <laughs> butt early, right? Yeah, um, before yeah. it becomes a big yeah. issue or when, when you see it once, take care of it there sure. so that it, you know, doesn't repeat several times and then you don't understand what's wrong. What am I doing wrong? I've done this before. You know, it's not working. Well, the thing to keep in mind, and you talked about this earlier, is that sometimes you didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Right? Sometimes depression is depression. It's not always... Oh, yeah. It's not always about experience. It's not always about something that something someone did to me. Mm -hmm. There is some chemistry involved. There is physiological stuff that relates to depression. Right? So sometimes it's not just awareness. Sometimes I have to take a pill. Right? Yeah. The key is medication is a tool. Mm -hmm. right? Just like any other tool in the toolbox, you use the right tool Absolutely. for the right thing, and it makes a difference. But not everybody uses the same tool for the same job. So if for me, the antidepressant is the way for me to get up in the morning and deal with my children, I need to take my mm -hmm. meds. Mm -hmm. If my father would absolutely refuse to take meds, could still deal with the kids then he's probably dealing with it a different way, different with a way. different tool out of the toolbox. But the same problem has to be fixed. 
Absolutely. You still have to do the same thing. Absolutely. And so you got to, you know, it's not just awareness, it's management. It's what am I doing to get what I need. And, and again, you set me up again, um, just to briefly talk about medication, because I have my own personal, you know, opinion when it comes to meds. But me actually being in the front line and on the field was able to kind of like respect the process a little bit different. Because the beginning was, I'm not taking fucking meds. Who, who do we need to take meds for? We need to sit here and acknowledge what's going on and, and do what I need to do. But being on the front line, you realize, no, that's that's not always what works. Some people actually really need right. that medication. And even though, you know, we have people that abuse it, you know, the fact remains is some people need that medication. I, and I have to make this known. If you are somebody that does take medication and you're viewing this and, and you're getting this theory in your head that, you know what, maybe I shouldn't. That's the wrong theory. If you're prescribed something and it's something that you've been taking and it's something that's a necessity and you see now that things are changing for the betterment, you need to continue to take your meds. Going cold turkey is totally worse <laughs> than the predicament that you might find yourself in at the present time. So medication, if you're prescribed for it, is a necessity. And if it's something that you feel like you want to start winging off of or stop taking, that's something that you have to first discuss with your doctors. That is not something that you have, a decision that you can make on your own. But a lot of times for me, um, when it came to meds, it was like, okay, what did we try first? Because a lot of times, and, and we've seen this, first thing they do, boop, I'm putting you on A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But you didn't even give me nothing else to try first. Sure. But you're the doctor, so you're the smart one. So I'm going to go with A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But somewhere in between that, if I was able to talk to Rob, and he was able to present me something I might have only needed A and B. You know what I mean? So I think that's a big problem when it comes to, you know, medications. If I need it, I need it. But also give me something else. Right. But that's the way you want to deal with your doctor. Mm -hmm. Remember, your doctor is a tool in the toolbox, just like all the medication, right? So you go to him and you say, well, look, I don't want to take this medication because it makes me drowsy. Or my, my family doesn't approve of it. Right? There are religions that some... Pills are just not okay, yeah. right? You go to your doctor and say, I don't want to take that medication. Well, his response is going to be, my job is to write scripts. That's what I do. I'm a doctor. So what do you want me to do as an alternative as your doctor? Do you want a different script? Do you want something else? That's where you manage the way you use your doctor, the, anything else in there. I want you to give me a prescription for something that is not the same, that people don't want, mm -hmm. that helps me in this way, and I want you to monitor me, or I want you to refer me to a counselor. Instead, or I want you to just check in on me once in a while. You can you can be helpful just asking how I'm doing and get me off this medication. The doctor will work with people if they talk to the doctor about what they want. But you have to be responsible for that. You can't sit back and passively expect, expect the doctor to cure you or fix you or manage you. He's given you, you know, this is modern America. People get 10 minutes with the doctor mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in an hour <laughs> visit. For a hundred bucks, and he doesn't remember Absolutely. your name unless it was written on the chart. Because yeah. he's got a hundred other people to see. Right? He's got to pay all his, in, his insurances and bills, and you know he's not going to get rich if he doesn't see everybody. He's got stuff to do. You have to manage him. And you have to manage your life, and the doctor's part of that. And that's how you have to look at this sort of stuff. It's not, it's not an either-or. It's part of what I have yeah, available to me, and that's how I use. Yeah. I think we as individuals are... are lazy beings, and, and, and it's so much easier to sit there with the doctor for that 10 minutes and just listen to whatever, I don't want to say bullshit, but whatever he has to offer me, 
And then as soon as I don't get the results that I'm expecting, that's who's the blame. Exactly. Well, <laughs> exactly. And, the, and the one thing, you guys, and you guys have seen this, I've seen you guys working with, with clients. They never tell the doctor the real problem. Never. Oh, my God. Never. Never, but they come and vent. They come and vent to us. Like, yes. I'm going, and they're like, okay, talk to your social worker. Talk to the doctor. You have to talk. And, you know, a lot of times, too, and, and to be fair, in that predicament, in a med- I can't speak about any, any other, you know, facility, but in a mental hospital, you know, they do only get five minutes. Ten minutes is a stretch. You're lucky if you get ten minutes. Five minutes is what you're going to get, and you're in and you're out, and you might be trying to say something to me, and I just might not have the time to listen to you. Right. I just might not. But I used to always tell people, you don't leave until they listen. If this is something that's important to you and you need the help and you're ready to do the work and you want to get better, no, you're going to listen to me. And this is what I got to say. Even if you got to write it down yeah. the day before. Even yeah. if the day before you got to write down everything you want to say and present it like, you know what, I don't even want to talk to you. Give me five minutes, read this five minutes and tell me what you got to say. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You'll do whatever it is that's necessary if within your soul and your heart you're adamant about getting um, there was things that used to say, and I used to use it all the time in the um, <clears throat> when I used to have the little therapy, the little groups with people. If you could share that with us, please. When it came to being your authentic self, right? So it actually comes from um, Alcoholics Anonymous, and what they were saying is there are three things that matter more than anything else. Is these are the lessons. If you don't get the twelve steps, right, and you don't like the meetings on stuff, we want you to get these three things. Be your authentic self. Be honest, not just with everyone else, but be honest with yourself. So when you go into the doctor and you say, I want sleeping pills because I can't sleep at night, is it that you can't sleep or you're upset because you're divorcing your wife? Mm-hmm. Are you That's upset because you sleeping. have the problems with yeah. job? You know, sleeping pills are not going to solve the problem you want to divorce your wife. Be honest. Be honest with yourself and everyone else. Do the work. That's the other thing that AA teaches all the time. Nothing happens unless you do the work. Be connected. Don't be isolated. Without that connection to someone else, something else, something bigger than yourself, why? Why would you bother? And without that reason why, without a purpose, most of us just fade. Right? Even if you've got the crappiest job on earth, your job is to sweep up after the elephants during the parade. Crappy job. <laughs> That's the old joke. It's, you know, why would you keep doing this? Well, if I quit, I'm out of show business, yeah. right? Yeah. The purpose is to put on the show. My job is to make sure there's no crap on the floor so that everybody thinks it's a great show with the great elephants. As long as that's in the back of my mind, I don't mind the crappy job, right? If, if I've got a purpose and I've got connection to other people and I'm being authentic, I'm being honest about it, everything seems to fall in line eventually. That's the key. That's where the strength comes from. To take care of things like addiction. To take care of things like losing your mother. To take care of things like the country shutting down. I don't know what the hell to do with this. But today just ain't my damn day. This ain't my day. Today just ain't my day. things in mind, things move better. And that's, you know, all those years and all those people who are suffering, that's what AA got from that. They gave the rest of us that we should be taking advantage of. And that's part of that awareness you were talking about, is don't just shut down because it's not part of my culture, my background, my family. Look around you. There are lessons to be learned from all over the place. Absolutely. All over the place. People have figured things out so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So learn from them about how to do this and get better. 
you know, and, and, and let the shit work for you. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, I would say to people, why would you want, once I give you the opportunity to come into my life and dictate and control, I can't complain about what you do. Because I'm giving you that open stage. You can come in here and tell me whatever you want to tell me. I'm going to listen. Yeah, I should take this. I should do this. I should do it. Okay, okay, okay. The sky's green. All right, bet. But then you complain. If you're not going to be a part, if not the person that does your own work, what can you possibly say? If I do my, if I go to work and I do my job, when I get paid, that's my paycheck. If you do the work and the work is done, that's your paycheck. Take that check from you. Back to what you were saying with the toolbox. Using the toolbox and understanding. Um, and that they're the toolbox for you to use, not for say, oh, I have this toolbox. So the social worker, and when it comes to the understanding that the doctor is not going to cure you, figure out your life outside of here. But um, okay. Can you provide me with a list of 10 jobs that are open right now? Um, and can you provide me with their applications so that you can help me be successful? Yeah. Um, and Doc, uh, you know, this isn't working for me, I feel like. So what is something that we can do instead of just saying, uh, yeah. what do you think? Uh, you or know what even I mean? Googling the shit that you got before right. you go to the doctor. Because it could be something that you're eating, you're yeah. not eating, something that you're yeah. doing, the amount of rest that you're not getting. You... It, Google it. Before you go to that doctor and you say, this is not working, let me look this up real quick and see what's in here and see what's going on. And maybe I ain't doing something right because that's why it's not working for me. You've got to be willing to take that extra step and ask those extra questions. And and, and to me, was, I completely agree with that. Um, we have to be able to put in the work, like we're saying. And I, think, and I just think it's also um, just understanding what everybody's there for. Um, and w what they're going to be able to do for you. Mm -hmm. And then now saying, okay, like, yes, I, I do want your opinion. I do want you to, you know, show me what I'm missing mm -hmm. as well because we can't, we're not going to always see the problem. And that's why we're seeking the help because we're not going to see the problems. But in order for you to see this problem, doc, social worker, whoever I'm talking to that's going to assist me, I have to be able to tell you everything that's going on. Absolutely. Um, because then if I lay that all out and I'm honest, now you say, oh, well, you know what? Maybe I don't, Maybe it's not depression. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. maybe yeah. it's this problem. Yeah. But if you don't tell me about this problem and you just tell me I'm depressed, you know, I'm going to provide this solution for me, for you. And then once it doesn't work for you, you're going to be mad at me. Mm -hmm. But that's what you gave mm -hmm. me to work that's with. You, right. you yeah, know, exactly. so you have to be able to be honest. I encourage everyone um, when you're dealing with uh, anyone who's going to be able to assist you in any way, you have to be completely honest so that they can be able to help you to the full capacity. And there's a lot of people that are willing to help, um, but it it's comes the fine line of trust and all those things. Mm -hmm. So we have to be able to have that communication at first. So when it comes to me working at the hospital, one of my main objectives when I'm coming in the door is for me to... Make myself, make everybody else around know that I'm here to help, mm -hmm. and I'm here to yeah. talk, and I'm here to be a person that you know you can come to if you need anything. And you can feel comfortable and, with doing that. Yes, and 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 that I am, you know, I understand why I'm here, and I'm not better than anyone mm -hmm. else. I'm just, I'm just simply here to to be another tool to your toolbox. Absolutely, right. communication is so important, and 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 networking. 
Because there could be somebody that I'm standing next to that I would never even imagine would have a lot of answers or a lot of tools yeah. <laughs> for me. Communication and networking is such a big thing. But then again, it goes back to that fear. That person will judge me. What they going to think about me? Who they going to tell me? They know somebody that I know. When it comes to yourself and your individuality, all of those things make no sense. All of those things are unnecessary when it comes to you as an individual and what you can do or need to do to get better. And I think we're so fixated on what does that person think and how are you going to feel. Well, you know, while you're thinking what they think and how they feel, they're okay. And you're still sitting there with whatever you got going on inside you. So then you got to sit down and evaluate what really is more important. How this person sitting here thinking or viewing me or me staying in this position so people can continue to think about me and view me in these ways. So, to, to, those two things kind of create a, a balance you have to be aware of. You want to be honest with the people who are going to be helpful, right? You have to be honest about what's really going on and what's bothering you and how their help can make a difference. But if there's something you want to hold back because you're just not okay with letting people know that, don't lie about it, mm -hmm. but don't share it if you don't need yeah, to. Yeah. That's one of those things where... You know, your foot doctor doesn't need to know about your sex life. <laughs> it just doesn't need to know unless you use your feet in a way that I don't want to know about. Yeah, I don't, we don't want to touch that. Just, just not touch that's not that part of the discussion. But it's one of those things where you create the limits that make... It's the limits and the boundaries that create the freedom that we can have to really create a good life. If I have no boundaries whatsoever, anything is possible... I can do anything on earth, literally jump to the moon. I have no clue how I'm going to get through my day. There are no limits, so there's no choice to make. Mm -hmm. Everything is possible. That's just, that's crazier than hell. Yeah. You start with the yeah. boundaries. I'm going to talk with my helpers about the things that bother me. They're going to help me. I'm not going to tell my grandmother about the stuff I talked with him. Yeah. I mean, grandma wants to help, but that's not my relationship with her. Right? And I'm going to have a good boundary with her. We're going to talk about bunny rabbits and cookies. And right? she's not really going to help me with She's not going to help me with the On the other hand, my wife, her husband died. She's a good about that depression we all get. So I'm not going to cut her out with my depression. I'm going to talk to about how to wake up in the morning necessarily and how to take my meds or how to get a job. Mm -hmm. Or how to talk to girls. Mm -hmm. That's not... You, everybody is part of the, the village we have to create for ourselves. But it's the people inside that village and the boundaries we create that makes that powerful. But if you're going to go into a, 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 a environment where you know, you're speaking to a mental physician or a doctor or whatever, you got to give them that. If you're going into a foot doctor, well, you're going to give them the feet. If you're going to grandmom, you got to go to grandma. You know what I mean? Like, everything has to be accordingly and honest. Well, and that's one of those things, like I said, the boundaries matter. If you go into a mental health hospital, you're not allowed when you leave to talk about stuff that was yeah. confidential. Yeah. You're not allowed to take stuff out of there that is um, going to hurt someone who is there, right? So while you're inside those walls, if you want to talk about how the crazy fairies tell you weird stuff about laundry, do it. Yeah. That's the place where you talk about that stuff. It's okay to be crazy in a crazy hospital. That's yeah, what yeah. it's for. <laughs> when you get, it's when you get out, out yeah, yeah. that you take the lessons you learn there. Right? When I talk to someone honestly about what's bothering me, 
they treat me differently than when I lie. So when I get on the bus and I want to go to Pittsburgh and I made a mistake, this is the bus to Cleveland, I don't keep that to myself. I say, I was trying to get to Pittsburgh. Yeah. The bus driver will tell me to get off and get on the right bus. Yes. And my life is better. I was honest. The mistake isn't the problem. It was holding back the information that was the problem. It was being afraid. That's the problem. And that's where these lessons make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that, that's where the awareness comes in. So, to, to kind of like end it off, I have a question for both of you. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I always, you know, when I when I did um, work in that in that environment, you know, a lot of times, um, even some of the nurses used to say, you know, why are you telling that person to tell the pe- the person that they're talking to that's not there to tell them you're busy? And I always mm-hmm. felt like it wasn't my position to tell somebody you don't see what you think you're seeing. How do I know that, right? But see. You. Let's move away from that. That is such a big, crazy thing. Hear people, but they're safe. It doesn't affect their well-being. It doesn't affect their. What do you think when it comes to people saying you shouldn't be having nobody talk to you? You're crazy. You're sitting there talking to somebody, and, and something's wrong with you. How do I know there are no ghosts? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. There may actually be someone talking to them. I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, it's about how they live their life, right? If President Kennedy could have had people whispering in his ear about the way to get through his day. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known the difference. He was the president, and he did okay. All right. So I have no problem with people. You know, live your life. It's, yeah. And the truth is, all of us are crazy, at least a little bit. You know, I, I try to come across as a really pretty sane guy that everybody can trust. <laughs> I'm not here to fruitcake. That's just the truth. And I, I think that's true about most people. Yeah, so yeah. I have no problem with no, that. I just let people live their lives. It's when it interferes. Yeah, when, it interferes. when that voice says mm-hmm. to do things like go to the neighbor's house and kill all the cats, mm-hmm. don't do that. right? And if you're going to come to me in therapy and ask, is it okay to hear the voice that says kill the cats? I'm going to say, I can't hear that voice in the room with you. Are you sure that's real? Yeah. And then we'll talk about what reality is and how you test it. Sometimes you got to test reality. Perfectly said. I, I mean, I second that, um, and I've seen that you know so many times working in that field. So I, I, I think that it's what you just said. I mean, I can't even add anything else to that. Just uh, understanding, helping, helping others understand what they're going through. Um, you know, maybe okay, but you just can't can't do something negative with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, it, if it if it's telling you to do something that you wouldn't normally do, um, then then don't do it. But if it's not know, creating uh, something negative around you, then it, it may not be, you know, a huge problem. Uh, so just knowing that what's right from wrong mm-hmm. and making sure that you try to stay away from the wrong, but it's also something that I've never experienced before, so I can't I can't go in there and say, don't listen to this or yeah, yeah, don't yeah. do this I because... Like I have the right to even do that. Like, if, how can yeah. I tell you no when it, it might just be, yeah, and the purpose of me bringing... That particular subject up was again to, to say, who gets to categorize what's wrong and what's right? Who gets to label what's wrong and what's right? Who gets to say, you're crazy because you hear people? Or you're crazy because you don't like to wipe your ass when you take a shit? Who, is, who gets to do that? And 
Now must you be put it in your house. I'm beginning to worry a little bit. Just a little. <laughs> but, but how much do we allow society to play a part in our mental health? Sure. That's where religion has a huge part to play that people don't like to admit. Religion tells us what's right and wrong, mm-hmm. right? So if my religion tells me don't hurt neighbors and the voices say hurt the neighbors, that's one of the ways I know that the voices are wrong and I need to ignore them because I've learned that moral compass from my religion. And that's one of the problems we have in our current culture is we separate that, that moral compass from health treatment and we act like mental health mm-hmm. treatment has no morality. It's yeah. it's just like treating a broken I arm, agree with that. right? You could be any religion, and your broken arm is broken, and I just put a splint on it. Mental health is different because morality is part of what makes us healthy. Mm-hmm. And so, when you talk about, you know, is the voice doing damage? That's where your past comes in, and that's where it's helpful. That's where faith makes a difference of value, and it's perfectly right for a healthy person to say. In my faith, in my beliefs, mm-hmm. that's not okay. Don't do that around me. That's not okay. Even if in your faith it's all right, that's not why you're here. Yeah. Right? Cutting is one of those things where people, along the same lines of what we were talking about earlier, the way people cope. Cutting is a coping mechanism. It's not, it's not a suicide attempt. I, I do this when I'm in pain mm-hmm. because while I'm doing this, the pain feels better. Right? And that creates a scar that I can either show you or not. That gives me control over my life I didn't have somewhere else. So it's about control and it's about coping. Is that good? Well, the answer is no, because you're doing something unhealthy to yourself. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, ours is a culture where 50 tattoos is okay, 32 piercings is okay. Mm-hmm. In some cases, really bizarre body modification mm-hmm. is cool. So why is this bad and that body modification is all right? It gets back to your moral compass. Yeah, yeah. And why did you do it? That's, these guys who do the body mods, sometimes it's to cope. Sometimes they're depressed and that makes them feel better. Maybe they should have found a better way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes this is because I'm being abused. And if I get away from the abuse, I don't mm-hmm. need this anymore. Yes. Right? We've seen that and so, yeah, and so it's, that's where the moral compass and the right of the helper makes a lot of difference in whether that person gets the help they need and gets better or not. Because it's okay to say, it's not good to do this. That's not okay. Let's find something better. better. Right. And then once you find a better way to cope, now let's look at why you need to cope. Mm -hmm. That is so severe. Maybe going home to that man is not the answer. Maybe we need to find a better plan. Or maybe that's the only choice you have. Maybe you are so deep into this relationship, there is no alternative. You got to do something better about this, yeah, yeah, right? And so that's where that 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 assumption that as a helping person I have to lay back a little bit, I think, is incorrect. It, that's where you get to step in and say, "This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is why I think it's okay for you to do what I recommend because my help is helpful this way." And that's different than what we're talking. So before we end. I want um, both of you briefly, if you don't mind, to give your opinion on why um, self-awareness, self-care, and mental health awareness is such an important thing, especially now when we have all these outlets that we didn't have before. (laughs) 
and all these things that are available that we didn't have before, why do you feel like it's such a necessity in life? Um, just, I think it's the, the understanding of what's going on um, with people is, is very huge um, because then that way we can avoid uh, the downfall. If we understand and can help somebody out, uh, then we can do so. We we have the you know we can be a tool if we if we know what what's going on. Um, and even for the people that are that are dealing with the, the mental health, um, knowing that that you can uh, come out there and talk about this, and people are somewhat going to understand what you know what it is that you're dealing with. But if people are not aware, if people don't know, you're not going to feel comfortable even re- releasing that information because you're not going to understand what I'm talking about. So. You know, one of the main reasons why I wanted to be here is because I, I want everybody to at least take into consideration what's being said here and see that if we all learn about what's going on in, in this world with mental health, uh, we can be that person uh, that can that can be the, the person to just give advice or to just approach a person and say, hey, how's your day going? How are you? Um, you know, and we can be that that, that change in a person's life. We can be that, that voice that they heard that day that made them say, you know what, I don't want to cut today, or you don't, you know what, I, I can fight another day because of what you said. We're, our, our words, ourselves, were so powerful. Um, and, and I felt that working where I work because I noticed that people come around and they're like, man, I like when you're here. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I appreciate that. And I'm like trying to understand, like, you know. They can do the same thing that I can do, and they're like, no, but you, um, you just provide this this good energy. Sometimes I get from people, right? Or you you come and you and you ask me, how 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 did you do today? Were you able to get that that situation fixed? You know what I mean? And just knowing that, you know, and then they're like, man, you know, I'm glad you're here. And then when people are working with me, they're like, I notice that, you know, when you're here, like a lot of times we have good days. So I'm like, man, like. If I made a good day happen on a unit of 28 other people, I'm one person. Yeah. You know? It's dope, though. If we all come with the same mindset and what we're here to do and what we can provide for people, mm-hmm. who knows how much change we can create? Um, and even leading to the stuff with the pandemic, and not to get off topic of the mental health, but, you know, if we can all be aware and we can all be a help in creating that change, we're going to be able to see that in the next people that are coming up. And then they're going to be able to say, you know, the, this I know this much about it, and now we're this far because of the people that were here originally trying to pass along the hand. So uh, personally, I say, if you're working um, in hospitals, if you're around people that, you know, may have any kind of, you know, mental health illness or just maybe dealing with a lot, um, try to take a minute to understand what they're going through. Try to take a minute to to talk to them, to just ask them how they're doing. Hey, you know, would you like to hang out today? Whatever it is that you can do for somebody, uh, do it because you never know how long that's going to go. And a perfect example, or how far it's going to go, a perfect example of that is a gentleman that I saw, this was about a year ago, a gentleman that I saw walking along Penn Street. Um, and he looked like he was a mess, you know, and I just passed, happened to pass by him and he asked me for some money. And I said, you know, I'm afraid of, of giving someone money because, I, one, I don't know what you're going to do with it. And two, like, I don't know you. So I'm like, but you know what? 
what if that were me? And I think about it. And then I said, you know what? Let me give this gentleman some money here because you never know what that could be me. And who knows what he needs it for? He needs a meal or whatever it may be. Um, then I go into work uh, a few, you know, few weeks later, and I notice that there's an issue on a on a unit. And I go to this unit, and I see the guy that I gave five dollars to on the street. And I go and I say, hey, you remember me? And he said, oh yeah. He's like, listen, man, I'm just had a tough day and it's like wow like that that I did um, I was able to diffuse a whole situation yeah. because of that I didn't know how impactful that move was going to be mm-hmm. so I just think that we, we need to be more aware of that 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 extending that hand can play a big role in a, in a big factor in somebody's life and in many people's lives and I hope that we you know can continue to to just see that and, and be that help because there's not enough people um, being able to, to be, make themselves available to help other people, and I wish that there's more of that. One of the things you said earlier was, how do you, why is it important to be self-aware in a culture now where we've got so many things mm-hmm. that are taking our attention, right? One of the things that, that scientists have been pointing out to us recently, and in fact it was part of science fiction back when I was a kid, a million years ago when there were dinosaurs and stuff, <laughs> we read real books and made it on paper. Back in those days, they said, you know, there's going to be a time when we are so isolated, we won't know how to interact with people. Mm. And that isolation will be created by the technology that we that we develop. And they were talking back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s about the technology then was starting to isolate people. And it's just become worse. we become so connected through the Internet, through phones, through television, through radio, our cars, and everything that it feels like we're attached to other people when we're alone all that time. All that time. And so that first step is to be self-aware of what you're feeling mm-hmm. and that lack of interaction with other people is unhealthy. And then reaching out. If you could just reach out and be kind to someone else, that makes your day so much better. That a lot of what most of us have to deal with is something we can handle, even if we are by ourselves. Because we had that moment of kindness and that connection with mm-hmm. someone else. And that's where you start with connecting to other people that gets make that makes it possibly healthy. If you can't you can't build that connection, that that love relationship, that job relationship that takes away the depression, don't even try. Just be kind to someone else. Your depression will get better that much all by itself. Do that often enough. You don't need to have the love of your life at home every day. You've got hundreds of people you can talk to and be kind to and feel better about. That's where it starts, is that that recognition that I can do that much to make that big a difference. And I need it because I'm alone right now. Yeah. And that's and then all this other stuff... It brings you a different kind of gratification that people don't... Completely different. Yeah. And this all this other stuff, the internet, the phones, the computers and stuff become tools in the toolbox mm-hmm. where you take that same experience and you make it better. Instead of isolating you, it becomes a way of connecting you to other things that actually matter. And that's where health comes in. Absolutely. I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking time out of your day to sit here and engage in this with me. My whole purpose is to bring awareness. At the end of the day, you are important. And until you believe that you are important, everything else is irrelevant. You can do the work and you deserve to be happy. I'm not licensed. I am not a person that has a million degrees, but I have 39 years experience of life. And 
whatever I've gone through or whatever I do continue to go through can benefit anybody else out there, that's my job. Again, Jordy, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. One more thing beforehand. If it's an emergency and you feel like you're about to break and anything can go, dial 911. Again, don't take your meds and, and abuse them or just cut them off because you have them for a reason. Um, God bless everybody and I wish you the best. Check it out.